0: Well, wherever you are joining us throughout the week, wherever you're watching or listening, thank you for being with us. We could go ahead and have the invitation and go on, right? Like, that doesn't get you fired up. I don't know what would. We get to celebrate this season. And what I love about this season is uh, the opportunity we have to share the name of Jesus, the opportunity we have to show who Jesus is, to reflect his glory, to, to just show a weary world searching for him, the hope, that he brings. So wherever you are, thank you for spending this time with us. I want to tell you, you're not here without a purpose. This is an appointed time. This is a space and a place. And I'm telling you, if we will lean in to what Jesus has for us, we will leave here better than how we walked in. So as you saw, we are kicking off a brand new series called The Name. It is our Christmas series here at The Vine. And I want to tell you, we like to have fun at The Vine. My brain hasn't been here which y'all already knew that if you've been here for a long time, you already knew my brain isn't here. So I just want to invite you to come join us as we continue the Vine here at the YMCA over these next few weeks because we're going to have some fun. Next Sunday, December 5th, is Christmas PJ's Day. So come in rocking your PJ's. Uh, if you wear a onesie and you got the flap, please make sure it's closed. Let's be real. Uh, let's just, just let's not have anything crazy here. But Christmas PJs, and then on the 12th, we're going to have ugly sweater Sunday. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. That's our heart for the house sewing day as well. So when you come to church, make plans to have fun uh, because I'm telling you, we love to have fun at church because, guys, if you think heaven's just going to be boring and not fun, like what are we even doing here? Like, come on now, we got to have some fun at church. So we're going to continue that all the way through the next few weeks, but we're going to kick off this series today with the name of Jesus, King of Kings, King of Kings. And I've shared this example before, but we're going to start here and end here. Many of us know, I promise, I'm going to do my best not to touch him to make sure his magic does not go away. Mr. Elf on a Shelf is here. And isn't it funny when Mr. Elf on a Shelf shows up, Mr. Elfie here, Uh, or or whatever your elf is named coming from the North Pole, how things change. Like this shows up in your house on a mantle or on a refrigerator in various positions in the bathroom or on the bed or on the whatever it is, whatever you have with various, some very funny, I've seen some of your posts about this and we need to pray after the service. But wherever you are, like wherever, seriously, but it's okay. We we probably think the same way. Things change when this happens. So we're going to come back to him. He's going to hang out all the way through, all of that to say, uh, when it comes to King of Kings, uh, I've shared this before, so just laugh, because sometimes pastors share the same thing over again, but when I grew up, there was this thing called the Cola Wars, okay? Pepsi and Coke, they fought with each other, they did, they they just went at each other so much, like back in the day. Coca-Cola always had those commercials going around, you know, sharing the joy, spreading the joy, but if I remember, one of them said that you had to taste it and it was the what, the real thing, do you remember that? You couldn't, you couldn't have it. Once you had the real thing and you experienced the real thing, you wouldn't go back to the watered-down, sugary thing that is the other cola, right? So many times when Christmas comes, i put my cards on the table, we substitute a watered-down, sugary version of who Jesus is instead of the real thing. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, every one of those names. And what we get to show the world is who he really is, not some watered-down substitute, go-get-it-when-you-need-it-when-you-have-a-sugar-craving. Instead, we show that he is the source of life. And what we get to do throughout this season is celebrate that. So as we kick off this series with King of Kings, I want to invite you to experience the real thing with us. Whether you've been following Jesus for two weeks, two months, 20 years, he's a picture of on grandma's wall or a manger a baby in a manger or you just heard him uh somewhere you know on talladega nights and you heard a stupid prayer to sweet baby wherever you think of jesus i promise you there's something for you today so if you've got your bible let's get to matthew 2 Familiar story of Jesus. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free for the asking. What I love about our church uh, is we have so many talented people. You just saw our Vine worship team lead us into worship, brought us into the throne room so that we could experience the presence of God like never before. Our Vine production team does the same thing. They'll make sure the scripture is on the screen wherever you're watching throughout the week around the world. But also, I say it and I mean it. It's really a cool tool, and we'll talk more about it even more. But our Vine church app it's a great resource. Go to thevine.tv slash app, download that today. And when you download it, you're going to see a free Bible in there, a digital Bible. You're going to see everything about the church. You're also going to see a space and a place for you to take notes today to follow along with us. So let's go ahead and get into Matthew 2 today and dive into the Word of God and learn about the King of Kings and see what Jesus has in store for us. If you're with me, give me an amen. I hear amens. And I also hear... uh Elfie cakes on breath. I don't know. Anyway, whatever it is. Matthew 2, verse 1 through 2 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jew? We Jews, excuse me. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, wherever you are right now, we have two stories. You hear the Christmas story, okay? Matthew and Luke. If you're a a Charlie Brown guy, you know the Luke version left and right, like that's the one we shared. And I want to tell you why that's important and why Matthew is starting here this way as we talk about the King of Kings is the audience in which they're writing to. Matthew is writing to an exclusively Jewish audience, people who understood who Jesus was, understood a Messiah to come. Luke writes exclusively to a Gentile audience. That is why we have different parts of the Christmas story coming together as we have this. So the reason we have to have this perspective as we learn about the King of Kings is as Matthew is writing in verse 2, 1 and 2 about Jesus, is this Jewish audience would have known Jesus as the carpenter prophet from Galilee, not the baby born in Bethlehem of Judea. They would have had Like, their knowledge of Jesus would have been this Galilean guy who had an earthly ministry, had just been crucified, and had these disciples walking around saying that he rose again from the dead and there was an empty tomb. But they would have been heartbroken because if you followed specifically that, in Israel, you thought Jesus was going to overthrow Rome. He was going to restore the house of David. And because he didn't, and because Israel didn't have its own king again and had overthrown Rome, maybe you're struggling in that space and place of who Jesus really is. Now, why does this matter? What does this do with us? Well, here's some insight into it when it comes to that. The reason that that this happened as we unpack this story a little bit is we have to understand the difference in Judea or in the city of David where Bethlehem is or Jerusalem as we know it and Galilee. It's separated by about 100 miles. Galilee is 100 miles north of Bethlehem. Why does this matter? Well, see, Bethlehem in Judea is where all the elites are. All the people seeking power. The king is in Jerusalem. Herod is in Jerusalem. They have their own language. They speak their own way. Believe it or not, the Galileans where Jesus grew up spoke uh, Aramaic. They had their own own accent. So I want to give you a picture of Jesus, the king of kings, maybe you've never known before. Jesus, when he went to Jerusalem, the reason that they spoke against him and the reason why when he went to the cross, the little girl knew Peter was with Jesus is because they had an accent, because he had an accent, because he grew up and he spoke in Aramaic. He spoke in a language that didn't seem as good as those in Jerusalem. I'm going to make you laugh for a second, so here we go. So Jesus, when he walked around teaching, maybe sounded something like this. They unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And love others as yourself. Who is your neighbor? That's how he sounded to them. Glad we don't have that any we do. So, no coincidence the Bible belt is kind of that way. That's where we have like, Jesus had an accent. He had something that sounded different. He was demeaned because of it. In Galilee their economy wasn't the same as it was in Jerusalem. So, Jerusalem thought the king would come in and would have to come out of Bethlehem because that's where the power was. But in Galilee they were farmers, fishers, and worked with their hands. They were just good salt of the earth people. So, when Matthew is starting this, he is actually setting up an apology. He is setting up a defense for saying, Listen, Jesus is the Messiah you have been searching for, and here's how I want you to know. See, when Luke tells it, 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 it doesn't click with a Jewish audience. So, angels appear to shepherds who are watching their flock. Bind. Like, that doesn't click with that audience. But this Matthew was laying forward to say, "Hey, he is the one you are looking, not just Jesus of, of, of Nazareth, Jesus in Galilee, the real Jesus. this is where He was. this is where He was born, so much so there were wise men who came and wanted to worship Him. Here's some great trivia for you. How many wise men were there? We don't know. We always say three. So when we sing, we three kings of Orient are, we're absolutely wrong. I'm sorry. We know there were at least two. Uh, We know there were at least two. We know they brought, we say, three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to read about that in a second. But believe it or not, they could have been camel loads of that. Imagine that. There could have been a camel bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So just think about that frankincense on there tilting. I know, I should be thinking about the gold, but just think of that and how it smelled. The best aroma you probably ever had. Eastern tradition holds this, though. There were at least 12. I See, that number significant. 12 wise men, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples. The 12 could be like Gentiles. The Gentile 12. Like, there's so many things we could go into there. But the true answer is, we don't know. But see, when we sing, we three kings of Orient are, we think of, we think of these kings coming in, right? I'm ruining nativity scenes, and I'm so very sorry. I'm going to ruin it again here in a second. Forgive me. Uh, Nativity scenes. We think of them as kings, right? we three kings of audience. And like, they're all coming real slow, you know, they got everything. But here's the problem. These wise men were sorcerers, astrologers, and magicians. In other words, they were more Gandalf than Aragorn. Like, just think of it that way. Like, they were more Gandalf-ish. That's what they look like. They weren't walking around like Aragorn, like going out there, like when, back in the Strider days. Like they weren't doing that. Like they were really, really like, they weren't that. They were more, you shall not, like they were, you shall not pass. Like they're ready to go. Like they're, that, 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 that's, that's where they are, okay? They're Gandalfish. So if that helps you, I'm sorry. For those that did, thank you. We're on the same brave wavelength. Like that's what these wise men look like. So it goes on. What happens in this? Well the king in Jerusalem hears about this. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, the very ones that opposed Jesus, his entire earthly ministry, he asked them where this Messiah, where the Messiah was to be born, in Bethlehem. In Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now, if you look in your footnotes, if you go there, sometimes I love footnotes at times. Uh, you can see that this is Micah, verse, uh, Micah 5, verse 2 and 4. This is the prophet there saying this is what is, is, is being foretold in Micah of the Messianic prophecy. So once again, remember the audience. Matthew's laying the groundwork for Jesus being who he says he is. Not this guy with a draw from Galilee that was a prophet that had a following that just got murdered on a cross but is literally the Messiah, the Savior, that the world is searching for. Now imagine in verse 7 and 8, Herod's about—he's called the Magi together, and your best Mr. Burns sitting behind the desk. Excellent. Like, so what does he say? Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, "'Go and search carefully for the child.'" As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. See, this is what Christmas really shows us. Herod says he wants to go worship him. So he can go worship him. Now, we know later, we're not going to get into it today, but if you read in verse 13, there's something that's about to happen. There's this thing called the massacre of the innocents. And what that is is Herod goes and kills all the children that appeared when he knows the star appeared that are of a certain age, hoping that he kills Jesus, the Messiah that is to come. And what ends up happening is Jesus flees to Egypt. He is in Egypt for a while until Herod dies. That fulfills the messianic prophecy in Hosea 11, comes out of Egypt and then he spends his time in Galilee with the rest of his family until he starts his earthly ministry. So the crazy thing is with Herod, he's threatened the king, he's threatened on his throne The king that he has, his power, his seat, what he sees in this world, he's threatened by the Messiah. He's threatened by it. Yet at the same time, out of his mouth, he says, I'm going to go worship him. Which is really crazy when we think about this because Jesus, we just saw this, he's the Lion of Judah. He's gonna come out of the tribe of Judah. He's gonna come from the house of David. He's gonna come all the way through and he's gonna rise up in the city of David and he's gonna come through there and walk through there. But the crazy thing is about Judah is the Hebrew meaning for Judah is praise. So out of the house of praise, the Messiah will come. In other words, what Jesus is doing is he's revealing in our life What is truly king of our life? What is truly the thing that we praise the most? What is the thing that we worship? Because Herod was so upset that he thought he was going to lose his power because he worshiped the earthly seat he sat in, that he was missing out on the heavenly seat that Jesus came and died for him to sit in later. So his worship was lacking because he worshiped the things of this world more than worshiping being with the Father, the one who has all power, the one true king. And you see, as that goes forth and that lays out, that is, what, that is what Jesus is showing us. That is what Matthew is showing us about Jesus as the King of Kings. He's saying, What are you worshiping? What's the thing that we worship? Are we worshiping our Christmas tree? Are we worshiping the presence? under our Christmas tree? The lights on our tree? Are we worshiping uh, 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 something that is a tradition? Are we we worshiping a watered-down version of Jesus that is not the truth? Are we worshiping a substitute Jesus? Are we worshiping Santa? Are we worshiping Elfie? Are we worshiping a car we want? Are we worshiping a ship docked in a port off LA that has your dishwasher on it? I don't know. What are you worshiping in this world? What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping things that are going to that are going to fade away? That your power that you've worked so hard to gain that you're only going to lose? Are you going to worship the one who has all the power that will sustain you in all seasons, that will carry you through throughout eternity and seat you in the best seat possible? What are you worshiping? And that's what we get to share the world. Because Herod worshiped the wrong thing. So much so, he committed so many crazy acts just to try to kill the one that threatened his power that it led to the chief priests and scribes doing the same thing. Killing Jesus. Because how dare this hick from 100 miles north, who knows Isaiah pretty well in the temple, who can, can spit on somebody and make them see with some mud, how dare he be the Messiah? Because he doesn't fit the mold of what I think my Savior should look like. That's what this reveals What version of Jesus are we worshiping? Because with our mouth, we may say we're worshiping the true king. But with our heart and our life, we show we're worshiping something else. And that's what this season helps us with. What does verse 9 through 12 say happens? After they had heard the king, this is the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now look at this. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, think of this. Here's the other, nat- I'm sorry, here goes nativity. Don't go home and crash your nativity set. Maybe there's be a package that comes on your front door today that says Fragili, and you can put it on your nativity set. This is going to crash your dreams, I'm sorry. When the magi get to Jesus, eh, he's a toddler. He's not a baby in a manger. I'm just giving you the truth, this is why. There are skeptics to the word of God and when they try to poke holes in it, you can tell them the truth of the matter. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus was probably saying mama and dada right there. Like, this is the moment when they come to this house and the star stops, like, Jesus is, is, is walking around, toddling around, I imagine, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph probably have the baby fence around a tree if they had one at the time to make sure, like, he is that age, he's that age. And they show up. But this is the beauty. When they show up and they encounter Jesus, they're overjoyed. Now look at what God does here though. Now these are astrologers, these are sorcerers, these are magicians. These are people who don't follow the real creator God. They don't follow Jesus. They don't know who he is. All they do is study the stars and all of a sudden this star appears in the night and they're like, that's the one that we're supposed to go worship. Does God condemn them for worshiping the stars? No. He says, hey, this idol, this wrong thing that you worship, maybe it's a religion, maybe it's career, maybe it's, it's money, maybe it's clothes, maybe it's house. I, I don't know. This idol though that they worship, the stars, he said, I'm going to do something. This created thing you worship as creator God, instead of condemning you for it, I'm going to work through it. And I'm going to show you what you're really looking for. He doesn't condemn them and when they come in contact with jesus the thing they're really looking for and they encounter him they're overjoyed overjoyed so god's not standing there condemning them saying how dare thee worship stars you get nothing in your stocking he says hey this gold frankincense and myrrh on this earth that you're gonna lay down at his feet anything. Let me show you what real meaning of life is. Let me show you what real joy is. Let me show you what it looks like. Not, not the, 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 the charting the pattern of the stars across the sky, but the one who threw them all into existence. Let me show you that. And so these Magi's go, and they, they're overjoyed, And wherever you are in your worldview, maybe you don't know who Jesus is, and and you're looking, and you're trying to find peace in this chaotic time. Maybe peace was a vaccine. Maybe peace was, was, was a mandate lifted. Maybe peace was a mask. Maybe peace was kids going to school. Maybe peace was your child being healthy. Maybe peace was your car starting every morning. Yes and amen. Like, wherever that is, maybe that's where your peace was. And Jesus is saying, at this moment, there's something more all the way through there. What you have to see is in the worldview, in every religion of the world, to get to their God, you got to work your way to him, earn your way to him or her, or hope you catch him on a good day. Yet there's only one God, creator God, that stepped into our mess and said, Hey, you're gonna worship the stars. Let me show you what you really what is really worthy of your worship. I'm gonna reveal myself in it. And he steps into our mess. He doesn't neglect our mess, he steps into our mess, and it shows up at Christmas in this baby Jesus doesn't say you've got to earn your way to it. You've got to go and be mad at the stars from it, but will you trust me to lead you to it? See, only in Christianity can you experience that. It goes on to say, not only were they overjoyed on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bow down and worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They bowed down and worshipped him. You see, there's something really beautiful in this story that we can easily miss. Instead of worshipping that gold, frankincense, and myrrh, instead of having pleasure and growing and getting more gold and pleasure and getting more frankincense, pleasure in getting more myrrh or more favor with King Herod or more favored in the Orient where they were coming from. No, Instead of gaining that and trying to seek pleasure in that, they finally found the thing they were seeking and found ultimate pleasure in, and that was Jesus. And church, that's what we share with the world. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you have... I'm not here to question your relationship with Jesus. We talk about this, but I just maybe, maybe you're, at a, you're at a stalemate with him and you can't figure out why. Maybe in this moment today, he's saying, hey, you forgot your first true love. Let me remind you what's worthy of worship because here's the thing. Once you experience Jesus, there's nothing else that'll satisfy you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I'm gonna put all my cards on the table. We're all addicts. I don't care who you are, you're addicted to something. Don't tell me you aren't. I bet if we looked at screen time, I bet if we, if we looked at, at 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 receipts, I bet if we looked at at addicted to gasoline, process staying low. I don't know what it is. We're all addicted to something. Sin does that to us. Sin makes us addicted to something. But there's also something crazy in that. How the Lord works through our sin and addiction. Because here's the thing that addicts do. Addicts move from one addiction and the only way to get rid of an old addiction is to find a new one period. That's, we, we always associate it with drugs. We think well I've got what I could at the highest I could get out of this drug so I'm gonna go chase the next one okay whatever that is. We do the same with cars, careers, uh, street addresses, we do that. We're all addicts. But what ends up happening is when we really meet Jesus, we really meet Jesus and we come in contact with him we realize No matter what we chase in this world, it cannot, it will not, it has no satisfaction, no joy, no pleasure compared to being in his presence, compared to meeting him, compared to being with him, nothing. And the thing that we get to share with the world is that. It is that. Not what Jesus, not what Jesus uh, isn't. Not what we can or can't do, but instead we say, hey, once you've experienced him, you have a satisfaction that this world cannot even come close to satisfying. So much so, I will tell you, if you have ever met someone who was addicted to a drug, we always give that example, and and we're all addicted to something, like I said, but someone who is addicted to that, and they meet Jesus, they're one of the best worshipers you'll ever meet on this side of eternity. One of the best Because they know what it means to chase a high and then finally experience something that's better than the high, and that is Jesus, the person and work of Jesus. And if all of us would step into worship that way, what we would show the world is what they're craving. Not to to be off on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Not to have a seven-day week. not Not to get a Christmas bonus. Not that a stock price would go up. Not that the next house would work. That the next car would work. The next gift would work. Not that our children would make a certain grade in a class. No, the high that this world cannot satisfy is the satisfaction, the pleasure of being with Christ for eternity and surrendering to him and that will lead you to worship it will be so attractive even those that don't follow jesus will want it because they'll say i don't know what it is but i want that so much so i will leave the current situation and place i'm in to follow an idol i'm worshiping to get there only to meet jesus in the mess of it that's the god we serve And that's what we get to share with the world, church. That's what we get to do in this season more than ever, is share that with them. Because you see, what ends up happening, we know where Jesus is. Remember when he hung naked on a cross, murdered, paying the penalty for sin, for our sin, dying for us. What was it they taxed over his cross? What is it that Pilate put up? King of the Jews. Oh, that made everybody mad. How could he be a king? That hick, that, he, he drives a four-wheel drive truck. 1980. Like, who does he think he is? Like, how does he get to, he's got a four-wheel cart running around building tables and such out of pallets. Who does he think he is? The king. But even in that, Revelation 19 reminds us when Jesus comes, on his robe, on his sash, and on his thigh, is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Even through that, he reveals himself as the King of Kings. And so, where's the point of this story today? In the midst of your mess, all of us can meet Jesus and be transformed by him. All of us have that opportunity. You're never too far gone. You're never too far out. Herod had the same opportunity that the Magi did. The Magi just followed in obedience to it. No different. They neglected the things of this world and realized it couldn't satisfy and went to the source that could. That's what we get to share with the world. So, how do we get this transformation? I'll just put it out there. It's not the thing that you're afraid of. Death, hell, not the thing that you're against. Being a bad person, hell, sin, judgment, none of that will transform you. You know what will? Love. Love. Period. The thing you love, you will worship. You will worship. Parents, this season, you love your children. No doubt about it. At least in this house, I know you do. Sometimes you, you, you want to you stuff them in the stocking. I get it, but you love them. So much so, that on Christmas day, who's it all about? Them. And if we can love our children that much, how much more does he love us? So much so, he sends his son for us to make a way where there was no way. So that not only are we, God loves us enough that We are created to reveal his glory to the earth. We do that in how we worship, by loving God, loving others. Yes, but like, think about that. He is so in love with us that he shows us what real love looks like long before we experience it. In spite of us, he comes and does that. I'm hard-headed. You know this. So then the Lord talks to me. I have to have real world examples. So it brings me back to Elfie. Mr. Elfie, whatever your name is. Are you looking at me? You're looking at someone. So Mr. Elfie, when he rolls out, what does he do? He goes back to the North Pole, right? He tells Santa how you're doing, right? Good, bad, indifferent. Uh, if If you did good in class. If you washed your hands before or after dinner. If you brushed your teeth. If you threw a frog on your sister and weren't supposed to. I don't know. Whatever it is. Elfie does this, right? But here's the thing. Our view of Jesus and God is Elfie. He shows up and our behavior changes, right? We think, I gotta be good. If I could just be a better person, then God would love me more. Like I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but the reason I'm not getting blessed, the reason I'm not getting gifts, is I'm just not good enough. I'm just not a good enough person, I don't have it all together, and I know, God, you're, you're, you're omniscient, you're everywhere, and you see everything I'm doing, and because of that, that's why I'm in this season I'm in. That's why I'm being punished, that's why I'm not blessed, and that's why you don't love me. Treat him like Mr. Elfie over there. But here's the problem with that. What if I told you today that God doesn't want you to not do certain things? What if I told you today God is not about you changing your behavior? What if I told you today that even though God sees you, he's not trying to change change what you do. He's trying to change what you want to do. See, that's where transformation happens. It's one thing to threaten bad things happening. It's another thing to love something so much that you won't do the bad things that could happen to you. That's what transformation is. God is not elf on a shelf sitting there waiting to catch you doing something wrong and saying, I got gotcha, you three lumps of coal. He's not doing that. He's so in love with you, he wants you to experience the love that only he can give, the satisfaction that only he can give because when you do that, it's not about the good and bad things you do. It's about the motivation, the king of your heart, the object of your worship, it's about the thing you love more than anything driving you to do things. Not what you do, what you wanna do. And I will tell you something, parents with children, how great is it to threaten kids? It it works for a little while, right? Till Till they're old enough to hit back, I guess, and then you have to start breaking out the chairs and the tables, ladders, and chair matches, like you just start having to go with the elbow drops, right? It doesn't work, but if they love you enough, When you see that little moment where they love you enough that they do the right thing because they love you and they know that that brings you joy, man, how sweet is that moment? How much more is the Father when we get to experience his love, but more importantly, we get to share his love with others because we've experienced it through him in Christ Jesus. So wherever you are right now, maybe you are worshiping the stars. Maybe you are worshiping a career. Maybe you're hoping just because of this year, we're not locked down yet. Uh, Wherever we are, that this will be a better year because I'm finally gonna get my life on track. I'm finally gonna figure it out. And I wanna tell you the thing that you are searching for is Jesus, not Mr. Elfie, not trying to catch you doing things right because here's what you wanna see. Verse 12 is what the Magi did. I'm gonna read it to you. Once they experienced Jesus, they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod and return to their country by another route. Once you experience the satisfaction that only Jesus can bring, it will completely change the direction of your life, just like it did the Magi. Instead of going the way that they came, they went another way, his way. And it's crazy, the very next verse, Joseph, God appears to Joseph in a dream, and Jesus and Mary and Joseph go to Egypt in exile until Herod is dead. So if you want to experience real change in direction, real transformation, the only way to experience it is love. Because the thing that you love will be the thing that you worship, and the thing that you worship will be the king of your life. And so I want you to see that instead of walking around, yes, Jesus was the king of kings. Instead of flaunting it to everybody, telling them how bad they were, telling them how condemned they were, telling them how judged they were, he did something different. John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, God's not condemning you. Jesus isn't sitting there going, oh, tisk tisk tsk. Back at the buffet again, big guy. Not again. Instead, he's saying with open arms, I love you enough that I'll do what you can't do. I will live the perfect sinless life you can't live. I'll pay the penalty for it, dying on the cross for it, and I'll even love you enough not to stay dead. You can experience the ultimate pleasure, the pure satisfaction, the full life That I died to give you because I rose again on the third day and that same spirit will reside in you. That, that right there is what you can experience. And so wherever you are right now, I just want to ask you, what's king of your heart? What's king of your life? What's the object of your worship? Is it Jesus? Or is it a watered-down Jesus? Is it something that, that is a tame Jesus, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything, that is just the baby in a manger? Or is it the King of Kings that will return one day to bring us back to glory, has prepared a place for us, and will let us experience that life now, share His hope, His love with a world that's desperately searching for it, that's hoping that their Christmas gifts get to hoping their Black Friday items get to their front door this week, because they got to have it. Or do we say, hey, the greatest gift this world has ever known has already came, and let me tell you about him, because he's here right now, and his name is Jesus. So with every head bow and every eye closed, the reason we do what we do every week is to share the King of Kings, this love, this love, this love that no one can experience outside of a relationship with God through Christ. This love, 100%, can only be found only be found in christ so as we go and we pray this prayer it's not the words of this prayer that saves you it's the faith and faith reveals itself oftentimes in worship just like just like those wise men came those magi came and they worshiped at the feet of Jesus because they had faith. He was the Messiah that they were looking for. Right now, Jesus is revealing himself to you that you are the thing He is looking for. Not the, not the next promotion, not the next house, not the next car, that He. He is the ultimate satisfaction, the overjoy, the ultimate pleasure. The only thing that can satisfy the whole in your soul is Him. And so when we pray this prayer, that's the prayer of faith you're giving. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you, it's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, would you please repeat this prayer after me for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross. Beloved me enough, not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if for the first time you can say that you have surrendered lordship of your life. You have made Jesus Christ the king of your life. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of 3. 1 Two, three. Would you raise your hand if you're in this house, if you're watching online, if you're listening throughout the week, there may be a hand that's raised. If not, you can shoot us a comment, shoot us a message. You can message us through the app. You can reach out to us at hello at thevine.tv or prayer at thevine.tv, either of those, or 864-580-6698. We want to celebrate this decision with you and say, hey, as you change the direction of your life in the Lord, we want to walk with you through those next steps. Would you let us know that today? And for the rest of us, we're going to pray and then we're going to get our worship on. Maybe right now we just needed to be reminded that Jesus is the King of King and Lord of Lords. Maybe right now the to-do list, the shopping list, everything we've got to go do after this has been the object of our worship. But right now in this moment, would we just lean into Jesus? Would we just experience and be washed in his love? Would we experience the joy that only he can bring? So that's what I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to stand in worship when our prayer is over. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you that you came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus, thank you that you are our ultimate satisfaction. You are our ultimate pleasure. Realistically, Jesus, you are the only addiction in our life that satisfies. You are the only thing that brings life. Nothing in this world, there's no U-Haul in heaven, and guess what, there ain't one in hell either, because you can't take it with you. So Jesus, I pray in this moment, you would remind us of your love, that we would just be washed in it, consumed by it, that we would express it in our worship, that we would have joy in the midst of this season, wherever we are, even in the midst of our mess, and that as we reflect you in that joy and in our worship, that the world that is searching for you would see you as you reveal yourself through it. We love you, Jesus. We can't believe you allow us to get to do this. It's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen.
1: Go ahead and please stand with us as we give God the glory. Near the earth to touch their harps of gold.
0: all right hopefully we had some fun today okay if we didn't i want to tell you we get to be and reflect god's love to the world through christ isn't that cool It's better than the Conway Twitty song or Kenny Rogers song. If you know, you know, I can say it because Jesus was Galilean in the north and he had an accent in the Southern draw just like I do. So wherever you are today, here's the challenge I have for you. Come join us next week. Here's the thing I want to say. Ask five people to join you next week. You may get five no's, but before you do, pray about it and let Jesus do what he wants to do because here's the thing. You may just be a star in the sky to someone and he'll work through you to lead them to him. And so as we go out throughout the rest of this week, let's show the love of Jesus. Let's invite people to encounter him and experience him like never before. Because when that happens, the satisfaction they'll have is better than any December 25th morning, right? So let's do that with the rest of the world. Have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come. We've got a seat for you. We'll see you next week.